are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Shishi Joshi, a veteran journalist and the founder and chief executive of the award-winning not-for-profit Project Mumbai. Hey, Shishir, good afternoon. Thank you for being a guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast today. It's wonderful to have you here and see you after a very long time. Thank you so much, Sada. And yes, I really love the, the title of this podcast that you have. It's very interesting. Brilliant. So let's get started with a quick introduction to who you are and what you do. Oh, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. I'm Shishir Joshi and I head a not-for-profit called Project Mumbai, which may have been founded, co-founded by me, but it's a citizen-led initiative and it's an idea of can we create social transformation through initiatives of scale. And that's where our entire passion is to also involve citizens doing their bit. And there are two elements to it. One is our tagline, which says, Mumbai ke liye kuch bhi karega. And second is, because there's a lot of kindness that people in Mumbai have, I'm not saying other cities don't, but the city, which is kind of a country in itself, then can we work towards making Mumbai the kindest capital of the country? So I love what I do. And I'm glad that there are people who love what we do as well which is why uh, we've become a go-to organization for a lot of things. Absolutely. So you've also clearly mastered how you do that because people wouldn't be coming if you were not doing it well. Moving on to the next question. There have been rare occasions when I've seen a journalist move from being a hardcore journalist to working with communities. How did that happen? You were like hardcore business reporting. Well, I think as a part of journalism, there's so much of people interface which happens. We did journalism at a time when cell phones did not exist. So they were so it was actually live, real interactions. So when you meet, you have conversations, you understand people's stories um, and vice versa. So when, when that happens, your understanding of situations change. But yes, um, that's seeing life from one perspective. There have been lots of opportunities I've had over the years, even as a working journalist, to interact with communities. Uh, my earliest, I think, was when I was in school and college uh, that I, I was reading books for those who are visually impaired. I'm not saying that that contributed to where I am today, but I think just things, in place, dots got joined. And I think there were opportunities which just came my way. And I kind of let my passion space move in the right direction. Or maybe the direction just started getting created. Yeah. I've always enjoyed doing what I'm doing. So a question which I sometimes ask is, don't you miss journalism? There's been print and there's been television. So do I miss it? Of course I do. But because I love that as well. And do I love what I do? Yes, I do. So if I leave this and go elsewhere, will I miss this? Of course I will. So I think it's about enjoying what you do. And so living for the moment and for the present. Yeah. And also following your passion. Because when you moved out, you started an initiative which was also linked to supporting young students. I think it was all leading towards where you are today. You're right, absolutely. So the teaching journalism or the citizen journalism was also about as one 
would put it the kindness zone that I see in most other people as well. But I think maybe that's an extension which led from one to the other, from hardcore journalism teaching to maybe civic journalism, which is about civic sense and responsibilities and duties apart from rights, which led to people sharing what are their concerns and from concerns led to maybe solutions. From there led to finding a pathway. And it's not about me finding a pathway. It's about guiding people and working with them to find the pathway. Because it's not about me doing Project Mumbai. It's about people who are part of it, which is leading to Project Mumbai, what it is. It's a people who want it. Yeah, finding the right communities to do that. So what is Project Mumbai, this passion project of yours? I love the tagline, Mumbai ke liye kuch bhi karega, which translates into I'll do anything for Mumbai. How did you arrive at that? I think a lot of things at Project Mumbai, well, there is a planning that happens, but being a spur of the moment kind of thing, because it's about a feeling, living that feeling. Now, the name Project Mumbai also is not about getting a lot of brand experts coming together to say, what should we call it? It's about the city, Mumbai, and treating it like a good project. So it became Project Mumbai. So we never really thought about yeah. this. I think it was a very simple thing that wouldn't become popular or not popular if you have a different name. We do good work. It has been popular or not popular. So Project Mumbai name also became that way. And similarly, people in Mumbai talk like that. And that's how when we started yeah. talking, a lot of people to say, will you be able to help us out? And that's when came in, of course, we had Kuch Bikari. So that became Mumbai Kine Kuch Bikari. And from there, realized that there are so many people who have that element of kindness to say, and we've seen the city going through crisis so often over the years, decades, that every time there's a crisis, people can't come together. So there is that very deep, inherent kindness bone that people have, that of giving. So when it's in crisis that people come together, why not in peace times? So can we make the city the kindness capital? It is a kind capital. It is a kind city. There are kind people everywhere. Uh, it's just that sometimes they don't have that opportunity to express that kindness. It's just that some of these stories don't come out. Well, yeah. it's one story which has come out, there are so many other bigger Project Mumbai is happening around us. Maybe we don't know about it. True. Um, but a tagline, Mumbai ke kuch bhi karega, it so uh, well captures the spirit of that city and also the language, right? Mumbai language is different. Mumbai Hindi or Marathi is a bit different to what is elsewhere in the country. So it captures that spirit definitely. I read on the Project Mumbai website that you've had like 100 plus successful partnerships and the partnerships work on the principle of collaboration with local administration and the private sector. So one a bit slower and the other a bit faster or both very slow. I don't know. So what does it look like in practice? Which one would, according to you, be the slower one, if one would ask? <laughs> I, I'd say the public sector would be the slower one. But from recent examples, I also know that organizations, sometimes they take their time to move on important things. It comes back to that element of kindness, that there are good people everywhere. There are good people within the government. There are good people in the private sector. There are good people all around us. And it's just tapping that resource helps the door open faster. And it's also then creating that interest. It's about storytelling. Meaning yeah. that if this is what we are doing. And if I am trying to sell you an idea about an initiative, if that does not interest you, then either I have not conveyed it to you in the manner it ought to be conveyed, or maybe your priorities are different. So it's about getting the right story to the right people and then getting them on board. 
So people could come on board as volunteers, people can come on board as permission givers, people can come on board as funders or just co-creators, but they have to buy in. I might say, okay, Sudha, why don't you join me in X activity of mine? You would join in the first time because maybe I've asked you to. But yeah. you to come on board again and again and again, you need to dive in. So that is where the idea is to get people interested and get the right people interested. So to answer your question, the earlier one, there have been challenges at either ends that governments or the public sector, be the municipal corporation or different authorities, it takes time to convince. But some of these ideas and so many of them, which is like when you send the tagline, Mumbai ke liye karega, so many of our initiatives, just to give you an example, setting up libraries in the gardens of Mumbai. Yeah. The moment we share it with somebody in the government, they say, wow, so interesting. Yeah. And all we do is ask very little of others. Because the ask is big, but we are breaking up the ask in different portions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking a lot from one person. I'm just breaking up the ask so that everybody feels doing something little where he feels or they feel a sense of giving, partnering and a sense of ownership. I gave you an example or be it vaccinating the elderly or taking care of maybe providing vanity vans for women cops or you name it or road mapping. Everything takes a little of everyone. So then the onus does not fall on one person. And then there's a willingness, there's happiness, and that brings that collaboration. The most difficult is to bring money. So to answer your question, easiest sometimes is provisions. Yeah. Because corporates have their own limitations in audits, processes, paperwork, and then there are multiple people in the chain who have to agree to in alignment with the idea. So it's good on so many fronts, it's challenging on so many other fronts as well. But we have to keep at it. Absolutely. That is why it is successful and you've had such great projects that you've done. So some of what you said helps me to segue into this next question. The Project Mumbai has been able to engage with ordinary residents to get them to give their time towards issues that they are passionate about. Like you said, you're not putting all the onus on one person. They're contributing in the best way they can without feeling overwhelmed by it. So as I understand, most of the projects are managed by volunteers. How do you create a cohesive team of volunteers focused on an end goal? Because these are not people who worked as teams. Sometimes you'll have new people. Sometimes you'll have different people. Yeah, I'll just make a slight kind of structure that the projects are by and large run by the team. And I've got a fantastic team at Project Mobile. So this is the in-house Project Mobile team. Yeah. But co-land in so many cases by the volunteers because they have part in as much the arms and legs. Uh, I could lead a team, but if there's no team, then what am I? Yeah. That's, so yeah. there are, for instance, if you talk about beach cleanups, which are volunteers who come in at maybe carrying stuff from here to there, keeping records, ensuring certificates are done. That could be done by volunteers. There's a lot of uh, responsibility that volunteers take. But there is a team which just ensures that the systems are in place, the processes are done, libraries in schools. There is, yes, some projects are driven by volunteers. Or in COVID, a lot of the responsibility because we were doing 30 initiatives at the same time. And I don't have those many team members who could handle 30. But then, yes, there are volunteers who took independent charge. My entire vaccination initiative was largely on-ground driven by a volunteer lead. But you live and learn. Sometimes mistakes do happen and we learn from them, but sometimes you get lucky. And we were lucky most times because there are good people everywhere. It was being done by a lot of people. And when you put the word out to say, I'd like to do something, it's not a force, it's volunteering. So 
only those hands will go up which are interested. Some hands will go up for something else. Some hands will go for even something else. So also answering one point that you mentioned that it's not just ordinary people who came in. People across age groups, people across economic abilities joined in. The volunteering is not only about stepping out and doing mm. act, but volunteering was about volunteering money sometimes. Volunteering is volunteering to connect me with somebody else. Mm. Volunteering is also just showing a support or dropping a mail about our work to a third person. Mm. That also led to a lot of traction of goodwill, which brought in so many people. Just to give an example, we've had some fantastic leaders in the corporate space who, for nothing in return, put the word out, spoke about us to other people. And then that led to more and more people getting to know about us or using social media. Let's say John Abram offered his entire social media platform to us during COVID to say, whatever you're doing, my team is going to put it out in the public domain. Yeah. So that's yeah. his big heart, his kindness, his volunteering to the cause. There was Katrina Kef and Alia Bhatt, Vicky Kaushal. They chipped in support financially to buy things for the needy. Amitam Bachchan and Aver Khan contributed. Aishwan Khurana contributed. No, we don't know them personally when they hear about us. When they chip in, that's also volunteering. Volunteering your time, volunteering your money, volunteering your credibility. So yeah. it's just that one has to keep doing it. So we were touching what lives, what people were getting impacted, which is what led to other people saying, I'd like to help out also. So that's where more hands go up, where we are not an exclusive activity, we are an inclusive kind of activity. Yeah, and then with the internal teams probably guiding the volunteers or facilitating an environment where they are all working towards a common goal. So interesting to hear this. And you've spoken about COVID and the number of projects that you were running during covid so Project Mumbai played a huge role in supporting citizens who did not have access to the elderly and collaborating with public health to deliver on the COVID vaccination drive. Uh, tell us more about it. That was a terrible time across the world, but especially for those who are excluded or have no access. I was speaking to a Jesuit priest recently and I was talking to him about the work that we do. I said, you guys are actually like a Jesuit priest. You're doing things which nobody else does. And I think that oddly kind of summarizes what we do because there is a role that the state has to play. There is a role that a organization, a building has to play. What we were looking for were the gaps. And we said, let's fill those gaps because the gaps are the pain points. So yes, it was the state's job to provide vaccination. It was not a project Mumbai or anybody else to provide vaccination. That state would procure, state would organize the scale. But within the gaps were the children who needed to get vaccination, the elderly bedridden who needed vaccination, those in prisons who needed vaccination. Now, these are small communities, but very important communities. So what we did was we took upon the role of providing relief there. Or when COVID started getting bigger and more ferocious, then the elderly were left alone. So we said, okay, the state was too busy grappling with healthcare challenges. So we tend the most vulnerable ones who are being left out. People like you and I were capable of running around and getting resources, but the elderly, especially living alone, were left for themselves. And we started taking care of them. Or the health became an issue. Everybody was getting stressed. So we got focusing on mental health. There's nothing special that we did if one would put it that way. We looked around us and looked at all challenges that would affect us, our families, and said, this is where people need help. And then we said, let's create a plan. We put out a, a call to action and hands would go up. So the thing that we did was created out of a kind of a deep study. It was happening all over, all around. It's just that we 
created a very simple roadmap to make things happen. And then as one says in Hindi, Karwa Bharata Gaya. Yeah. And more people started joining it, people supported with food, people supported with kitchen appliances, material, help, technology, time, good wishes. So everything just just added. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a very very critical role and important role when the public health was overwhelmed with the number of challenges that they were facing. So it is something that probably would be replicated during such difficulties such as a pandemic or other extreme events. I think a lot of which Mumbai has seen including floods, etc. Shishir, so for everyone who runs their passion project all the work that you do you must be like very proud of but are there some that really stand out for you that are really dear to you i think you're right everything is very special but helping out those who are the weakest link in the chain that became very special vaccinating the elderly homebound was one space because they had a lot of limitations of vaccinating the mentally challenged who are in the mental asylums nobody visits them not even relatives visit them so that was from one space providing meals to children who had no homes was another or providing education for children who had lost both family members to covid was another or post covid mapping roads is a very interesting yeah in space it's a very simple ask kind of thing so As I said, these are also so many of them that I've listed, which are so close. But I don't want to say this as opposed to that. Those are as close. But certainly, when we talk to people, they say, "Oh, wow! I'd love to be part of this kind of thing." So there are so many of these things, and I am sure if I start thinking deeper, I'll learn it. Yeah, there are so many laundry list. Yeah, yes. And something very simple. There was a bunch of youngsters who came up with the idea of creating a, a kind of a safety wrap in auto rickshaws, and so. we gave it a thought we said okay because auto rickshaws were public transport these people needed to live livelihood now people needed to travel because emergency service workers needed to travel now what do we do so what we did was we created a, a kind of a wrap a shield between the driver and the passenger so that it's transparent enough for the passenger to know what's the fare where to travel and talk but safe enough that the space is maintained so we created that wrap and put it across a few thousand auto rickshaws across because finally it's even the rickshaw driver's life is important because something happens to him he's out of action for one week 10 days two weeks three weeks and what about his livelihood so even something like this became touching and rich for us or when we set up a dashboard for non covid hospital this was so citizen led because everybody was going to a covid hospital but what if there was somebody who needed a bed for elderly care but didn't want to go to a covid hospital or a child had a fracture and there was no need to go to a covid hospital or if a lady who required a pregnancy related checkup but could not go to a covid hospital so we drew up a list of non covid hospitals also and said this is what is available it's a safe space don't worry about covid in these hospitals so lots of things the list is yeah <laughs> endless Yeah, that's so nice to hear. Very heartwarming stories and projects. They talk about stories. They came out of the comic book with our children's Katha. On stories, a lot of people of this generation have grown up reading Tinkle and our children's Katha, and we we came out with a comic book which has stories of teenagers who volunteered their time 
And these are real characters, real volunteers, real heroes on mental health, on organ donation, on beach cleanups and as COVID warriors. And that's getting circulated now in school libraries by us. Oh, wow. I'd love to see that. How can I access it? I'd love to I'll see that. It's, it's available free on the Amanchita Kata platform, but I'll share okay. your uh, online version as well, a PDF version of that. Okay, yeah. that sounds brilliant. So considering the scale and number of projects that you've been involved with, there must have been learnings. There must be a lot of learning for you, for the teams, because nothing happens very easily. I think you made it sound as if it's just fallen together. I'm sure at every stage you have learned and you've improvised and you've moved ahead. What would be your biggest learnings here? I think one of learning for sure is that I think not everybody walks at the same pace or runs at the same pace. So for we to expect others to move at the pace that I do. And especially sometimes I'm sure I'm quite harsh with my team, expecting a lot from them when so much is happening and not necessary to expect them to think the way I do in every sense. But the soul of Project Mumbai is what it is. And we all believe in that soul. May not necessarily mean the pace or the direction what we talk about. One of the learnings is that second is what I may want to do is not necessarily what somebody else wants to have. I may want to do maybe a safety or a cyber safety workshop for a group of children, but that is not their need. Or I may want to do a, a plastic awareness campaign in slums, but their priority is food. So yeah. it's important to know what the beneficiary wants and then restructure your plan of action in that direction. So that's the other learning because we all live in so many different world pockets. Mm-hmm. It's important to be in the other person's shoes and realize what it is. What would hunger mean? What would relationships mean? What would travel mean? What would losing a job mean? Well, you've seen so many situations where there have been no closures to events after COVID. People have lost family members without even being able to see them. What they would have gone through. We are all fortunate to be in a fairly safe space. Not everybody is, but it's important for us to understand that. So these have been learnings that one size does not fit on. And it's important to be more sensitive towards others and be a better listener to see what it is that they may want rather than Mm -hmm. what that I would want to give. Often we have this tendency to, because we are passionate about something, to try to dictate what is it that should happen. And that is not the way to do it. You need to listen to people and see whether there is a meeting of minds and whether they want what you are trying to do or not. We are now working on a curriculum on environment for municipal school children. Hmm. And it's easy to get five people to say, this is what a curriculum should look like. But what we are looking at is creating a design thinking workshop. We've got teachers involved. We've got municipal school teachers involved. But principals of municipal schools have been teaching environment to see, okay, what have they been doing? What are the challenges they have faced? What are students liking? And then looking at it from that point to say, okay, now let me curate something which students will enjoy. Rather than just sitting behind a desk and saying, this is what is conventionally done and this is what we'll give. So I think a lot of these learnings, so we'll live and learn and we learn and live. Yeah, true, 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 true. So do you believe that uh, initiatives like Project Mumbai are the way forward for cities to tackle some of the key challenges that they face, that we now understand that governments cannot do everything or the private sector cannot do everything, that citizens need to be more involved? Definitely, yes. And more and more as I see the success of organization like Project Mumbai. And that's how we've created this, that this is a model that can be and should be replicated. It may not happen in a 10 on 10 the way 
hills being done, let's say in Mumbai, it could be six on ten somewhere, twelve on ten somewhere. So there are different ways, but a public-private people partnership is very critical. There are a lot of great organizations doing work on the ground level, but they may not have access to the top. There is some great work happening at the top which may not percolate to the ground. There are a lot of people in the middle who may want to help out but do not know whom to reach out. Yes. Important to play that catalyst role. And that's what we've been successful in doing, not just being a catalyst, but also in implementing kind of yeah. because we know what's happening on ground. And that's how we can then talk to others to say that's a better way to do it. And if we don't know the better way, then we ask others who are experts, say, come and join us. And yeah. so we follow your way and look at common. So, yes, there are talks with other cities who reached out to us to say, can you help us set up a project Chennai or a project Chandigarh or a project Delhi? Yeah. But it has to be people from that area who need to drive it. The sense of ownership has to be there. So it's like Mumbai ke liye kuch bhi karega. It has to be a Delhi ke liye kuch bhi karega. Feeling I can't sit here and say Delhi ke liye kuch bhi karega. Right? <laughs> Somebody in Delhi sitting and doing that. So if you want to set up a workout, then you need to be taking ownership, getting involved and understanding the pulse of that city. Right? Yeah. And also, I think it uh, feeds into something that is now understood to be that you don't centralize everything. The more localized it is, the more impactful it is likely to be because the local people know what the local challenges and local issues are. So that's the best way to proceed. Also, I think so. one quick point I'd like to add is that I think the approach has to be collaborative, mm-hmm. not confrontationist. Very often I've seen this as a challenge that we are very quick to point flaws. So this is what the government is not doing. Or this is what the NGO has not done properly. I'm saying we all have flaws. Can we say, okay, I think you've done six on ten. Can I do the remaining four? Rather than saying, yeah. well, you've only done six? Yeah. You've done six, great. Can I help you with the remaining four? One happens is that it's a ten. Mm. And it's together. But yeah. imagine I say, you've only done six. That person is affronted. And he says, okay, I'll figure out what has to be done with the remaining four. Then you are left out. Even a good idea in your head has no value till it's out there and getting implemented. Absolutely. A lot of people have good ideas. I think that's what Project Mumbai's strength has been. We managed to let those ideas spill out onto the street and involve people. Yeah, it, it's not just an idea anymore. Um, what's next for Project Mumbai? I think we'd like to institutionalize it. We'd like as the question that you've asked, we'd like other cities to follow. That's one. We'd like to look at Project Mumbai 2.0 to see, can we make it bigger? Can we make it better? Propio, actionable space. We'd like this city to become inclusive. Mumbai to become far more caring and available for the elderly and for those who are differently able. That's when we will become a complete city. So yes, it has to be a safe city. It has to be a safer city for those who are in the most vulnerable space. So we're working towards that. It's not easy, but COVID really brought about, pre-COVID, people had started talking about environment in a very big way. COVID brought about mental health, which was never really talked about as much. Post-COVID, now people have begun talking about inclusion communities. I think glad that that's out. Acceptance is much higher right now. So, yeah. That's a space we'd like to encash on. Convince governments, which we've managed to do, get local participants, get the private sector interested. So there are lots of areas within that. There's awareness, there's sensitization, there's acceptance within families that, yes, these are challenges. There is skilling, there is employment, there's physical infrastructure, there's digital infrastructure. Websites are not accessible. So lots of things are there. But as I say, there are bigger battles. And there are battles which could have quick wins. I think we should tackle both simultaneously and uh, there are good people everywhere so they'll support you. 
Yeah, I know. That has been the resounding theme of this conversation. And that's why it's like so amazing to have a very positive conversation with you today, Shashir. I think the most important thing that you said from all the successes, etc., is that most people have this kindness born and most people want to do things and to support good things. And that's what makes life happen or society move or take those incremental steps towards being more inclusive. So that's really, really interesting. And it was brilliant to hear you talk about all the wonderful work you are doing. Thank you very much for giving up your time and being here today. Thank you so much. And let's hope that we have a project, depending on which city that you choose to lead, that also happens. And, yes. and I'm sure you would make it bigger than what a project Mumbai has been. Thank you very much. Amen to to that and I will look to you for guidance. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.